Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you And then everyone else will believe you too And if it looks like you're the only believer around Just keep on believing, don't put yourself down Just believe Our guest this week grew up in Selma, Alabama Earned a bachelor's degree in accounting and finance And a master of business administration From the University of Detroit Mercy from 1980 to 2016, she was the executive director of Southwest Solutions ASO. And since 2016, she's been the CEO of the Judson Center, which was founded 100 years ago and focuses on helping people with behavioral health problems, autism treatment, disabilities, foster care, and adoption. Her name, Lenora Hardy Foster. And I'm Jack Prisula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to Lenora Hardy Foster. Since 2016, she's been the CEO of the Judson Center, which is starting its 100th year, Lenora. So welcome and honored to have you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to tell you, it is truly an opportunity to be here with you this morning as well. Thank you. Let's go back to Selma, Alabama. Talk about your childhood, your mom and your dad. You know, when I think about my childhood, I really wish I could go back to those days because they were just wonderful, just just great. What a wonderful upbringing, a mom, a dad, in total, eight children. I'm the second to the youngest, so six girls and two boys. One brother that is younger than me, who's a, now a retired Marine. And it was just a, just a loving family. I, I know that I am the woman that I am today because of the foundation, you know, that I came from. You know, my mom was always right there. My dad encouraged me that I could be whatever I wanted to be in life, just learn how to apply myself. And because I was born and raised in Selma, Alabama, does not mean that I could not continue to move forward and end up having a wonderful career and a great life. You've told us what the biggest thing you learned from your dad, but what's the biggest thing you learned from your mom as well? The biggest thing I learned from my mom is really just, you know, how how to be a a loving wife, a great mother, a wonderful daughter, aunt, and to always keep family first. But one of the greatest things that I did learn from my mom is I am a great cook. Ooh. And that's because of her. All right, Selma, Alabama. It's synonymous with Martin Luther King. Tell us about Martin Luther King. So I'm going to tell you, when, when, whenever I hear the name or see his picture or see something on the, on the television, it really it brightens my heart because he was just such, such a great man, and especially in the South that really opened the door for people of color and especially for, for African-Americans to help us understand that be, because we are African-American does not mean that we should not have a life that is rewarding to us and given opportunities and to be treated equally like everyone else. 
And I, I think that was the beginning for African-Americans to, to really start thinking that there are things in life that I can do and that I can achieve and that and I can do all of these things. And most importantly, I think what I learned, you know, from hearing his speeches and hearing about his march, I was too young at the time when the march did take place in Selma. I was there, but I was a very young girl at that time. That was March of 65. Yes. So I was a, I was a young girl, young girl. And um, so I did not participate. My parents did, as well as my parents opened our home. And we had three men, three northern white men mm -hmm. that lived with us for two weeks. Mm -hmm. They were there supporting the march and wanting to just see and hear, you know, the speech that uh, Dr. King was going to share with everyone, and 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 they were they were there. They were supportive of, you know, people of color, you know, being treated and and just have a fair chance at life, and not to be treated differently because of the color of our skin. So, I I learned I learned so much, and especially from my parents and my older siblings, that probably knew more than I did because I was so young. So I've learned over the years, and and I I just do know that the door open for African Americans because of Dr. Martin Luther King. All right, those northern men. Yeah. Eventually, your family moved from Selma to the north, Detroit. Yes. How and why? Well, what what happened, and I'm I'm pretty sure you're aware of that. You know, a a lot of. African Americans from southern states started migrating to northern states because there was better opportunity. And that happened in my family, you know, with a, a lot of my uncles and my, my, my aunts and cousins, they started moving. And then my siblings, as they graduated from high school, they moved to the Detroit area as well. Um, and and so when when I graduated, my mom was still right there in Selma, Alabama. But so when I graduated, I came here to go to school. And I started school at the University of Detroit, Mercy now. And uh, that was that was my dream was to come into look looking as though my opportunity in life was going to be far better than in Selma, Alabama, very small city, you know, big state. But Selma is a very small, small town. And I just knew my opportunity would be far greater. And I always remembered what was instilled in me that my dad would always say, you can be whatever you want to be in life is how you apply yourself. And, and that that is instilled in me. And so and I know that I'm who I am today because I hear those words all the time. You don't give up. You work hard. And I think if anything, he instilled too much about you work hard because I work hard. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, you do it in a very graceful way, though, too. Thank you. All right. Um, you, you spoke about University of Detroit Mercy. You got a degree in accounting and finance and a master of business and administration. And you thought your career was in the for-profit industry. When we come back, God had different plans for Lenora. Yes. And we're going to talk about how she went from the for-profit to the non-for-profit. And I'm Jack Rasool, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR.
This is Anything is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Prasula. We're with Lenora Hardy-Foster. If you want to learn more, www.judsoncenter.org. Judsoncenter.org. Lenora, from 71 to 77, you worked for Farmers Home Administration as a bookkeeper. Then God says, I need you with Southwest Solutions. So in 1980, you went to Southwest Solutions. How so? So, yes, I did. But if I could just go back to Farmers Home Administration. So that's how my career first started. So in 71, I was in the ninth grade when I started working. So <laughs> I was... What they pay you? I, I what they pay you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so the pay was probably good for back doing 1971, and here I was, a kid in school, right? But the thing about that is, that really started my career. It began then. Because a teacher, I was a part of a vocational business school during the afternoon, and my my teacher saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And thought that I was ready, you know, to go out there and to start working and really trying to figure out who is Lenore and what I want to be in life. And provided me with this opportunity to work for the government. Now, I'm ninth grade going to the 10th grade when I started working. So I would leave school and be at work at 1 o'clock and work from 1 to 5 o'clock. And I earned school credit as well as a paycheck. So that's how I first got started, my introduction to the work field. So when I moved to Detroit with my goal, and as I saw myself, and my father drove a Ford, I wanted to work for Ford headquarters. That was my dream, that I want to go all the way, get my master's, and I want to work for Ford headquarters. And I remember I would drive down Michigan Avenue, and I would look up at that beautiful building, and I would say, I want to be there one day. So I didn't want to work in the plant. I had a lot of family in the plant. I wanted to be in an office, and I loved accounting and finance. So I, I knew that that was, that was going to be my journey was to become an accountant. It's what I wanted, but I wanted to work for Ford headquarters and grow and be uh, promoted within Ford headquarters. But I started working for this nonprofit when I thought my plan was to work for corporate America because that's where I saw myself. My life changed, and my life changed because it was a part of working with children, adults, and families to help them improve the quality of their life. Now, I was not frontline working directly with the people we serve. I was in the accounting department, but I had to enter that, that organization every day, and I had to walk through the lobby. And I would see the people sitting there waiting to receive services, and it touched my heart. And I knew then that although my journey was to work for corporate America and I wanted to work for Ford headquarters, that that was not the plan that God had for me. It touched me in a way that the work that's being done by nonprofit organizations, it's a miracle. The time, the resources, the talent that's invested into helping our communities and the people that live within our community and the life challenges that they're facing each and every day. And I knew then that that was my calling. That was my purpose in life. We're talking to Lenora Hardy Foster. God's brought you a lot of angels in your time. 
One was John Van Camp. Yes, yes. So for 36 years, I worked for Southwest Solutions. The name has changed now to my side. That just happened recently. But I worked work in most of those years reporting directly to John Van Camp, who's the president and CEO. I learned so much from he is probably one of the greatest visionary leaders that I have ever met. And I watched him, how he operated, how he strategically planned for the organization. And, 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 and I knew right then that here is someone that I'm going to learn so much from that's really going to help me as I continue to move forward in my career. And I, I do. I, I owe a lot of credit and gratitude to John Van Camp because he saw things in me as well that I didn't see in myself. And I was promoted and promoted and promoted. And finally, when I became the executive director, you know, of the ASO of Southwest Solutions, um, I had, had achieved quite a bit in life. I was so grateful and thankful for what all I had achieved by the opportunities that had been presented to me. What did those families teach you, Lenora? They, they, they taught me that my upbringing and how I was raised positioned me to know that everybody deserves love, to feel cared for, to know that there are people that they can rely on. They taught me that that is important and keep with, within me the person that I am. Always be that person, that caring heart, that lending hand to anyone who's in need. So they, they, they taught me a lot. As I sit here listening to Lenora Hardy Foster, and this is like the 970th show, I think back to the first guest we ever had. Eleanor Jositis. And Lenora, you are a modern-day Eleanor Jositis. Oh, wow. Hmm? That has touched my heart. I had so much respect for her. She was Um, a bulldozer going through a field of marshmallows. Absolutely. She was unbelievable. I, I admired her so much. And I had an opportunity to serve with her on the President Advisory Board at Walsh University for a few years. And I remember we would sit by each other. And I just, every time she opened her mouth to speak, it's like she was speaking to me. I learned so much. Just a, a strong woman, very talented, but a heart that was so huge for everybody. All right. You were with Southwest Solutions for 36 years. Yeah. See, I was a little girl when I started. Okay. See, see, that's the thing about I was very, very young. 2016, <laughs> you leave. I know. You leave. Impossible. I know. Why? So... Anyone, and you remember I said, as I was raised, my father instilled that you could be whatever you want to be in life. It's how you apply yourself, right? So that's, that's ingrained in my brain that I can. So to complete my career and my journey, there was only one thing left for me, and that was to become the president and CEO of a nonprofit organization. So... I wanted to accomplish that. And I was approached and by a headhunter, wasn't looking for a job, 
Loved Southwest Solutions dearly. 36 years with the company. I was a part of everything that we did there. I loved that organization. But I knew that before God calls me home, there was one other thing I wanted to fulfill my career, and that was to become that CEO of a nonprofit. And I could not believe when I got the phone call. And at the time, I was incoming president for Financial Executives International, FEI. So headhunters would call me and say, Lenora, is there anyone right now in transition looking for a job? But they're talking about CFOs, financial positions. And so when they called me and said, I want to talk with you about something, and they said, but for you. And I said, oh, wait a minute. I've been here 36 years. Um, I don't have any plans to leave. I'm just going to stay here, hang my hat up, and go home. And they said, well, listen, this is for CEO. And I said, I beg your pardon? And they said, for a CEO of a nonprofit organization. I could not believe that. And they said, have you ever heard of Judson Center? And I said, yes. They specialize in children's services. And they said, yeah, but they do a lot of the things too, a lot of great work. And they're looking for a CEO. We're talking to Lenora Harder Foster. And Judson Center was started 100 years ago, 1924. Babe Ruth was playing for the Yankees. Okay. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk to Lenora about the Judson Center. And I'm Jack Rasul, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WGR. Welcome back to Anything is Possible. I'm Jack Crisula, and we're with Lenora Hardy Foster. In 2016, she became the CEO of the Judson Center. You're celebrating your 100th year. Tell us about the Judson Center. You know, uh, what a great organization. I'm fortunate to be there. When I think about the birth of Judson Center going back to 1924, and what a lot of people don't know is the, the vision of creating Judson Center came from a group of Baptist ministers. And it always touched my heart when I think about nonprofits, because not to say that every nonprofit is started by a religious group, right? But a lot of them are. Mm -hmm. And that's the birth of, of Judson Center. And, and when we first opened the doors, we were an orphanage. And that was their vision. They wanted to be an orphanage for boys and girls. So when I think about 100 years, and I think about those visionary leaders back during that time to do something good for boys and girls, I know that they are proud of what we've been able to do in these 100 years because we've taken their vision and we've completely implemented it and we've expanded it. So we have done so many things over those hundred years, you know, from being that foster care adoption agency to looking at and implementing uh, programs for autism, for children that are diagnosed with autism, for disabilities, for young adults, older adults that may have a disability, giving them an opportunity to become an employee by providing them with soft skills training. And, and then there is behavior health, primary health care, and substance use disorder. 
where we've implemented the full integrated care model within Judson Center. And and not only that, you know, we've gone from 100 years ago starting out serving only a few, a handful of boys and girls, to today we serve more than 13,000 children, adults, and families annually. We have, we started out right there in Royal Oak, corner of Greenfield and 13 Mile. We remain there to this day. That is our largest campus. Eight acres. Eight acres. We sit right there on eight acres of land. But now we have a total of 10 locations that are spread over five counties. And we have one county that we don't have an office, but we provide in-home autism services in Livingston County. So starting in Oakland County, and we expanded into Wayne County, Washtenaw, Macomb, and Genesee County. You know, I I think about and I love to look at history of an organization and how we've grown. So can you imagine 100 years ago what those Baptist ministers, their dream was? And they, they, they stepped out and they put in place this orphanage. Maybe they had a couple employees. Today we have over 400 employees. You know, um, we're just we're doing we're doing great work. Great. We have when one you got program. there, you were, the budget was sixteen million. Sixteen million. Now thirty million. Thirty million. Okay, let's focus on a couple of the offerings, the big mm-hmm. offerings, foster care and adoptive services, mm-hmm. please. So, so we have we have contracts with the state, you know. So so we are one of the providers here in the great state of Michigan that provide services in multiple counties. Uh, for foster care. We are always looking for parents to become foster parents. That's where it starts because we know that there are children for various reasons where the court has removed them from their home, from their biological parents. And we're working with those children, first of all, to place them in a foster home until we can reunite them with their biological parent, because that's number one, reunification. If that doesn't happen, if the court decides, if the judge say, no, this child needs to now be placed up for adoption, then we're also working with adoptive parents to place that child in a permanent home. If you want to learn more, www.judsoncenter.org. Lenora, there is 14,000 children in Michigan in foster care right now. What do these children really want? They, they want to feel loved. They want to have stability in their life. They want to know that they have parents that care for them. They want to be a part of a family with siblings. That's what they want. What, what, what children, what they want is what they deserve. Because children are here through no fault of their own. And now that they are here, we should do everything to make sure that we can raise them in a way that when they get to an adult age, they can look back on their life like I look back on mine. And I have nothing but joy and pride. We're talking to Eleanor Josetis Jr. Okay. (laughs) Lenora Hardy Foster. All right. Autism. What is it? You know, when we think about, if you go back 20, 30 years ago, you didn't hear a lot about it. And what I hear from psychiatrists, psychologists, is that there were probably a lot of children 
that were not being diagnosed correctly because they didn't know enough about autism. Autism has now scientifically advanced over these most recent years. I think we're learning more, you know, that children can be diagnosed and we can determine where they are first if they if they are diagnosed with autism and then second, where are they on the spectrum? So those things now are much more relevant today than it was back then. What we're seeing and even the CDC just came out with that one in 36 children are being diagnosed with autism. The number is not getting better. It is not getting better. When I started back in 2016 at Judson Center, we were one in 54. So the numbers, it's not going in the direction that we would like. But what we do know with autism is, I would say to any parent, if a child is 18 months, two years, three years, and if you notice anything with your child that maybe there's not that eye coordination, they're not speaking words, at least look into it because early intervention could really be lifesaver for children being diagnosed with autism. One out of every 36 children, they say that every 20 minutes a child is diagnosed with autism. Some people say it's the vaccinations. Is that true? We hear all kind of things. And, you know, um, I, have, I have never heard that that is true. You know, we've heard all kind of things that cause it. You hear things about food. You hear all kind of things. You know, um, I don't know the answer to that. I just, what I, what I do know is there are, there are children just like there are adults where everybody is not the same and there are differences there. And what can we do with any child that might be different? And differences are different things, being diagnosed with autism. But what about a child that's in a wheelchair? They deserve the same love, care, and attention that everyone else so, speaking of a child in a wheelchair, when we come back, we're going to talk about another facet of Judson Center, disabilities. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Jack Rizzula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. 15 of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, Make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol. Anything is possible. 
I'm Jack Crisula. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to Lenora Hardy Foster, the CEO of the Judson Center. It was founded in 1924, 100 years ago, and it focuses on helping people with behavioral health problems, autism treatment, disabilities, foster care, and adoption. www.judsoncenter.org. Disabilities, please. Yes. You know, so we're so we're so proud of everything that we do and every, it, so many services touch my heart, but when I think about disabilities, young adults, older adults, some that may be wheelchair bound, so they can't leave their home without assistance. And if we go back years ago, a lot of people with a disability, even if it was being diagnosed with mental illness, no matter what it may be, we're kind of separated from society, right? People, they're different. They're not different. They're just like you and I. They deserve every chance and opportunity in life that we do. It's how do we get them to that point that they can achieve success in life? So what I love about our disabilities program is because there are people that are in some of our programs, whether it's the behavior health because they're diagnosed with mental illness, if it's the autism program because they, they, they've been on the spectrum for a number of years and now they're a young adult. What is their future going to look like? And not just the people we serve, but people with disability in our community. How can we make sure that they're given opportunities and one thing that we know and we've learned over the years, someone with a disability doesn't mean the, the brain is not there. The brain is there. And some of them can function much better than you and I. Very smart, very bright. And so what we do in disabilities is there are individuals that we train them with skills so that there are some that are employees of Meyer or Lowe's or it could be hotels, depends on where their skill levels are, but they're not sitting at home. Think about when you go into Myers. Your greeter may be someone that you can tell there's a challenge. That could be someone that's a part of a disabilities program, but look at where they are. They're out with society. They're working. You know, they're employed. They're earning a paycheck that they could take home with pride to their family. I've always said I'm not the host of this show. I'm the beneficiary of the show. The number of times that I've had a, a person with a special needs child, and they refer to that child as their hero, their angel from God, yes. their gift from God, their teacher. Mm -hmm. Lenora, yeah. why? Because because you learn so you can learn so much from anyone who who has a, has a disability. You know, for, first of all. The pride that they have within themselves. I may be different, but I'm still a human being. And and you can't help but want to go out of your way to make sure that you can embrace them, give them opportunities that they haven't had a chance in life, you know, to be a part of. So it is it's awarding. It really is. I think about years ago and people with disabilities, a lot of them were placed in state institutions. You probably remember that. They were there for years, 20, 30, 40 years until they died. That's not the way to be. People should be able to live within their community. And we, 
as society has to learn how to embrace them and make them feel apart. Speaking of rewarding opportunities, mm -hmm. if there's a listener that said, Lenora, it's a new year. God has really blessed me. How can I be of help to the Judson Center? We, we are always looking for volunteers to help in various areas of uh, program services, planning events. So there's always an opportunity for volunteers. We're always looking for resources. You know, being a nonprofit, you never earn enough dollars coming through your door to cover 100% of your costs. See, that's, that's one of the things of, of nonprofits that's very challenging for us. But the thing about it is, we first have to really focus on what our mission is and what we're all about. And we're, we go out our way to make sure that we have to plan events to help raise money. So we're looking for resources, looking for people to always help support the events that we plan. Speaking of planning for events, write down November 1st, 2024. It's the 100th gala celebration at the Henry in Dearborn. Absolutely. And we're, what are you going to wear? Yeah, I can tell you for sure it's going to be a long gown. I can <laughs> say that for sure. <laughs> but we, we are we're so excited. You know, first of all, we're, we're not the oldest nonprofit, right? There's some that's been around more than 100 years. But you're proud to be a nonprofit and getting any business getting ready to celebrate a centennial year. We're so excited about that 100 years that, first of all, we remained focused. And we kept that our its mission comes before margin. We never lose sight of the people we serve. That's first. Yes, we want a margin, but margin comes first. You lose sight of what you're all about. Mary Kay Cosmetics, P&L, doesn't just stand for profit and loss, but people and love. Oh. Florine Mark was the same way, people and love. Speaking of which, you're too nice to be running a $30 million organization. How do you do it? <laughs> I, I, I do it because I know what's in my heart, in my heart to be thankful that I have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of so many people. And so being nice about it is what helps me to be able to move that organization forward. Being able to share and tell our story. See, a nonprofit, you got to be able to tell your story. You got to tell your story in a way that people, first of all, will feel that passion and they want to step up and help. Many people admire you, Lenora Hardy Foster. Who do you most admire? Oh, my God. There are so there are so many people. You know, when I think about I have to go back to when I was 15 years old, one of the first people that I did admire, her name was Vivian Smith. She was a white woman that I worked for at Farmer's Home Administration, took me up under her wings. And I know that that helped start me. And then John Van Camp, for 36 years, greatest visionary leader that I've ever met. One of the things that he didn't see in me is that I watched him be that great visionary leader. I learned from him. So I admire 
being a visionary leader. I see myself as great when it comes to strategic thinking, strategic planning, and being that visionary leader to think outside the box. As our time winds down, what advice would you give to a young female professional this evening? You know, I have an opportunity right now. I have, I have been the mentor of probably six or seven young women, and I'm currently mentoring two at this time. And I'm talking about one is a CEO of a company. What I would tell anyone, a young, a young lady that's starting out in her career, don't be afraid to follow your heart. If you've got that desire of what you want to be in life, go for it. Don't be afraid. There's always fear. There's always obstacles that's going to be in our way, but you can overcome those things. And I would also say, find someone that you know you can learn from, and that truly is going to be somebody that will be able to instill so many great things in you that you will carry with you for the rest of your life and help you be that successful young lady that you strive out to be. Lenora Hardy Foster? You have followed your heart, and all of Michigan is the better for it. Thanks for all you do. Thank you so very much. Please join us next week. Until then, I'm Jack Rasula. Thanks for listening, and make it a great week, because with God, anything is possible. Spawn. Believe in yourself.